If you enjoy listening to Corology, then I need your help. Here's why. I create Corology by myself on a shoestring budget, recording and editing every episode in my tiny closet. How's that for irony? That's where you come in. Will you help keep Corology on the air by supporting it financially? By tipping as little as $1 a month, you can help me improve and keep making Corology every week. All you have to do is jump over to MatthiasRoberts.com support to make a pledge and listen away. Hey friends, this is Matthias Roberts and you're listening to Quirology, a podcast on belief and being. This is episode 38. Trusting of your heart, um, which is also something that as queer people we've been told by the church that we are not to trust our hearts. And I would say your heart is exactly where God is at. Listen to that small voice. That is the Holy Spirit. Candace Zubernot is a married gay Christian woman, a mother of twins, and the founder of The Christian Closet, a web-based counseling practice. Uh, She's a writer. She was named by The Advocate as one of the 10 pro-LGBT religious women you should know. She holds her master's degree in counseling psychology, and she's worked in mental health for over a decade. Uh, Candace specializes in seeing people who need a safe place to reconcile their faith with their sexual or gender identities and or gender identities. She's a graduate of the Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. We don't really get into that, but if you ever get the chance to meet Candace, ask her about what it was like going to Moody as a queer Christian woman. Um, and, and then she did her master's degree at the Seattle School of Theology and Psychology. Uh, that's where I go to school as well. Uh, Candace is a dear friend of mine. I'm so excited to have her on the podcast. We're talking about mental health, which is something that I think when we when we intersect mental health with our queer identities, with our religious identities, uh, things can get really messy. <laughs> and I think as, as, as queer people of faith, we hold a lot of trauma uh, in our bodies and in our stories. Uh, and so Candace and I get into that a whole lot in this episode. Uh, let's just go ahead and dive in. Candace, hello. Welcome. Hey, Matthias. It's good to be with you. Yeah, thank you so much for joining me. So to start, question I ask everyone, uh, how do you identify? And then how would you say that your faith has helped form that identity? I identify as a lesbian, um, but I also use um, the words or terms gay and queer kind of interchangeably. Um, I know a lot of people have really a lot of strong feelings about the, the word lesbian, um, I don't have as many, <laughs> but it's just a really long word. <laughs> um, so it, sometimes it just feels easier to say gay or queer. Um, and as far as my faith goes, I mean, it feels so, it, it feels like it must live in the same spot inside of me that my queerness lives. Um, they feel so tangled up together. Um, and I think, I mean, my, my experience is not unique as a Christian, um, that for so many years it felt like, okay, I had to choose one of these. And of course I'm going to choose the Christian part, right? I mean, I, um, you know, was raised as a Christian. And so by the time I could sort of own my own faith, I, I wanted to be someone who's faithful to God. I wanted to be close to God. I wanted to experience God. And I was under the impression that that meant um, whatever this queer piece was, it was bad. Um, it did not go with my faith and um, 
in fact, it, it just was like some random horrible sin that happened to come upon me, right? Like it was this thing that almost happened to me. Um, and it was terrifying. And I did not even have an idea or a context to even begin to consider that actually my queerness was knit, specially knit by God for me. And that, um, beautifully, uh, displayed God's glory. And so by me pushing my, uh, gayness down, I actually was like, um, you know, sort of pushing down the greatness of God in my life. Um, because when I was able to finally fully see, like I could be LGBT and Christian, um, it was like my life opened, (laughs) Um, my experience of God just felt so much more real. Um, and those walls I had up, um, came crashing down. Um, and so it still kind of blows my mind to think, wow, I was so off and no wonder I was suffering so much, um, to be separated from myself and be running from God, um, and, and having such an internal division um, when all along, like, they fit together so beautifully. Um, and so I just, I feel so grateful. Like, my relationship with God just wouldn't be what it is if I wasn't also queer. And I love my relationship with God. So um, I'm so happy that I'm a lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> I love I'm, it. Any other way. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, you talk about that kind of like opening up in, in like being able to, to bring those pieces together and then the openness that comes out of it. Like, I I feel like that's an experience I I know I have had and so many people talk about of being able to finally open up into who, I mean, you say this was specially knit by God for me, like how we were created to be. Exactly. I mean, I think um, another part of my story that's not unique is this feeling of like, why do I feel sort of stuck or left behind? Like all of my friends are going through these life stages at these, you know, semi, you know, appropriate times. Um, and that it, it felt that way. It felt that way, um, my relationship with God, but also felt that way just in my life in general, my career and my um, my relationships with my friends. They Everything kind of felt stunted. Um, and I, I think it's because I had to hide so much from who God had created me to be. I, I didn't know how to then go and be a successful person. Um, there wasn't a way to do that. Uh, so an opening for sure is what happened. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I was at one of your workshops at QCF conference this past January. Um, Mm. and the one, the one on mental health and like you're a mental health clinician. Uh, you do a lot of work around mental health. Um, and, and I'm curious, like, how did that interest kind of start? And then how would you say that, like, I mean, would you say that your queerness has worked its way alongside that? Like, have those things worked together? Are they different? Like, I mean, because I know, like, mental health is a huge thing for everyone, but mm. especially for queer people and queer people raised within faith traditions, like, there's a lot going on there. Um, so I'd be curious about that journey for you. Yeah. You know, it's kind of funny. I, I, a lot of people, when they go to college, they're like, I don't know what my major is going to be. 
And it was just an assumption with myself and anyone who knew me that, of course, it was going to be psychology. Like, that was just kind of who I was. Um, and the, the it felt confusing, though, because there was also this, like, God element. And so I didn't quite know how that was going to come into play. And then when the queer piece came, it was like, oh, my God, like, how is God and this queer piece and therapy going to come together. Um, I mean, I, there was definitely a season where I was really lost, at, um, professionally and, and personally trying to figure out how those could come together. Um, I even had a, you know, a pretty successful practice and I just thought, man, this is not what I thought it was going to be. Um, and I was closeted and, you know, I remember having a few patients that, um, were queer and it just broke my heart. Um, that I couldn't come out. I couldn't be myself. Um, so I even I took a little break from from being a therapist to try to figure that out. Um, you know, through my own process of accepting myself and coming out, and all of that began to get tapped into. Oh my God! No wonder I felt so lost um, to feel God's. And this is such a um, gosh, a word that has a lot of feeling around it for people, but calling, I really do feel like God called me to the space of um, LGBT Christians trying to figure out, okay, how do we reconcile this? And then how do we live that out? And how do we be with our friends and family in that space? Um, and I think you're exactly right. I mean, what happens along the way usually is our queerness gets pathologized. Um, and we do it to ourselves because um, when we are rejecting ourselves, others are rejecting us, we're closeted, we're having to hide. Um, you know, that is suffering. And when when people suffer greatly, um, usually there is mess, there is hurt, there is um, unhealthy coping mechanisms. And so it's really easy to point to those and say, ah, see, I knew it. I knew being gay was wrong. It's proof right there. Look at that person's life. Look at my life. It's a mess. But I think what happens is, of course, it's that's an easy, easy, easy thing to do rather than say, hmm, I wonder if this person is suffering because of um, the harm that's been done to them, um, both by themselves and others. Um, and it's actually when that suffering can come and be loved and healed, um, you know, do those things that you pointed out, do they actually go away? And I would say most of the time they do. <laughs> um, and, and so it's an extra step, I think, for those of us who are queer to begin to piece out um, what parts of my life um, are a result of my suffering and um, do I need to love and bring close into our hearts and, and um, heal and what other parts actually, you know, maybe don't have anything to do with being queer and absolutely like, you know, we, everybody's got issues, right? Um, but it's, it especially breaks my heart for um, people that are LGBT and Christian and they're going to their pastors and they're going to their churches and their pastors are saying, see, you know, this is exactly what I told you would happen. Um, this harm and hurt um, is proof that God did not create you beautifully and wonderfully this way. Uh, man, the damage that that does and the mental health issues that that brings, it's astronomical. I, I get 
so sad and so mad. It's just unneeded harm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. There's, there's so much in there of like, I mean, first that kind of that, that reframing of like how, how that tendency I think within some church cultures is to look at queer people and the quote unquote acting out or whatever language they want to put on it and say like, Oh, this is all proof. Like that's huge. And I think like so many of us have heard that so many times, like, look at the way they act mm-hmm. look, and then putting whatever labels we want to of uh, morality judgments or whatever on that. Um, as, as you said, like as that proof of there not being goodness or whatever. Um, and then, and then you talked about like what parts of ourselves then do we need to bring close to ourselves in love? Like that, that is huge as well. Like <laughs> I'm like, I, I have chills as you're kind of talking about that, of like that, that bringing in and caring for ourselves, um, maybe in ways that we've never felt cared for by anyone. Yeah. I mean, for me, that has been the number one thing that has changed my life has been to bring those broken places really close and to love them, even when it's been, I mean, it has been the biggest battle too. It's not easy. It's not easy to take a part of yourself that you've said is bad, that everyone around you has said is bad, and to bring it in close and to say, I'm going to try to love this part, and God, I'm going to believe that you love this part too. Um, it It is the single most life-changing thing that I've done, and it's a practice, right? Because I'm human, so there's times where, where I go back to like, whatever it might be. It doesn't, maybe it doesn't have to do with me being queer, but maybe it's, maybe, I don't know, I got frustrated with my, with my wife or something, right? Um, and I feel bad, like, oh, I'm, I'm now someone who is short-tempered. Um, and I go down this whole path of this bad, short-tempered person that I am. Um, and it's a, it's a, you know, like I said, a practice where I have to stop myself um, and go to a place of, of love and understanding. Um, and it doesn't look like, Hey, it's okay. Who cares that you maybe hurt your wife? Right? Like, I think that's the assumption that it just is this permission of all you queer people. I know it's that you want to go have all this crazy sex, go have your crazy sex and you can hurt whoever you want. And, um, there's this assumption that it's just, it means giving over to this, you know, deprived, um, kind of disgusting, uh, self-indulgent way of living. Um, that's a real big misunderstanding of what uh, God-centered self-love is because a God-centered self-love actually like turns us towards holiness. It turns us towards loving the other. It turns us towards selflessness and gentleness. Um, it, it doesn't turn us towards, you know, oh, great, how much bad stuff can I go do and get away with? <laughs> a trusting of your heart, um, which is also something that as queer people we've been told by the church, that we are not to trust our hearts. And I would say, your heart is exactly where God is at. Listen to that small voice. That is the Holy Spirit. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I'm hearing, like, I mean, I, I'm going to say full disclosure to people listening, like Candace and I went to the same school. Um, and so yeah. <laughs> there's so much language in here that I'm like, I mean, even though you were at the school way before I was, I'm like, yes, <laughs> like, yes, 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 yes. Like, and um, like, like this, this concept though of, 
of self-love and, and, you, and you kind of like touched on this a little bit, but like how I think we often hear that term and that like, oh, you just need to love that part of yourself and like with an eye roll, like, like, yeah, yeah. right. Like what, what is that going to do? Um, and, and I'd be curious about like, maybe, maybe like you said that this has been kind of like a huge life changing thing for you. What has that kind of looked like specifically? And what has that self-love actually looked like as opposed to this kind of fluffy, as you were saying, this kind of like fluffy, oh, I can do anything or it doesn't matter what I do. It, it is a radical act what you're talking about. Yeah, I love the word radical. I, I often call it radical self-acceptance. Um, and, and earlier, I mean, the word battle feels so appropriate. Um, because for me, and, and I, I know that I'm not alone, you know, when there's parts of me that are hard to love, um, when I go into that quiet space of, okay, I'm, I'm going to bring that broken piece in close, there are other parts of me that are judging me. They're saying, she doesn't deserve love. Um, you hate her. There's all these other voices, voices of other people that have hurt and harmed me in my life coming out at those moments. So it's not as if it's like, oh, this was easy and I just love myself. There's a battle of all these other voices. And so trying to quiet myself, um, it, it looks like me going to a place where I'm alone, where I can quiet myself, where I can begin to even visualize this part of me. Um, you know, in, in the workshop that you were in, I think I did a, a meditation um like visualization type thing where, you know, often these, these parts of us have a, an age associated. How old did I feel when I did that, that, um, or what part of me, um, engaged in that thing that I'm rejecting now. Um, and I even imagine that part of me, I imagine, um, you know, maybe it's this 21 year old young me who, who just discovered she was gay, um, and there's some kind of shame in there. And I imagine my adult self meeting her there and God being there and all the messages of, um, like I said, I knit you this way, my daughter. And the battle of those other voices coming out at those moments um, and me having to choose to believe the goodness more than those hurtful words and doing it over and over and over again. Um, and the, and the thing is, when I come out of those moments, like I said, my heart is soft. My heart is so open to loving others better. Um, you know, we say like, hurt people, hurt people. <laughs> um, I think that couldn't be more true. Um, when I come out of that quiet place of being loved, my ability to um, love others is so much deeper. And I'm curious from you, Matthias, like, going to the same school that I went to. Um, and you know, it, it was kind of a concept when I was going there, not a huge concept. Um, I'm wondering, is it a, is it something that you encounter as a grad school student, um, in your studies or even just amongst your colleagues? Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like, I feel like so much of our training, um, has been centered a lot around that, that work of mm. how do we bring, kindness and love into these spaces and, and now that you asked me that I'm wondering like how much of it has been like prompted by the school and how much of it has been my own work as well because like I, I I like I know I've latched onto the work of um 
Dr. Kristen Neff um, and her work around self-compassion. I don't know if you're familiar mm. um, with it, but but she has a whole where she had taken from um, Buddhist uh, meditation practices uh, and has kind of codified a um, in her doctoral work a way of bringing mindful self-compassion into a therapeutic space, but into just daily lives um, and her work has been transformative for me because she is a way of like, this is exactly how we do this um, and how we bring ourselves into these spaces to accept and, and be kind and, and literally transform the way that we treat ourselves. Like, mm. and that wasn't taught at school. That's something I stumbled across. So <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't know how much of it, <laughs> like if it goes hand in hand or not. So yeah, there's some of it there. Well, I love that. I'm going to check out her stuff because it sounds like I would be eating it up. Yeah, I think you probably would. It's so good. It's yeah. so, so good. I mean, back when I was sort of discovering this, I was really, and I still do love Henry Nowen. Mm -hmm. um, he was a big um, uh, voice for me in, in this, like, just trying to discover this self-love thing. Mm. Um, mm. As well as, you know, lots of different therapists and therapy along the way. Um, right exploring that right yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm curious like <clears throat> so so i mean we're kind of we're talking about kind of like mental health from the perspective of like how do we love ourselves how do we i mean I, i'm thinking about like a couple episodes ago i had dr robin henderson espinoza and talks about this i this concept of how do we love ourselves into our stories um and i feel like that's kind of what we're talking about that practice mm -hmm. um but there's a I, there's a whole nother side of mental health that i think we're we're not talking about of like actual like mental health diagnosis and mm. and those struggles that we have that like sure self-love can make a huge difference in mm -hmm. but it also takes a lot of other work as well and I'd be curious if you could kind of talk about that and like because as, as core people like those things impact us as well like <laughs> there's absolutely and it's something that we don't talk about a whole lot um yeah, why do you think that is? Gosh, I mean, I feel like from my perspective, like from I, even from larger larger cultures perspective is like mm -hmm. it's taboo topics, but then I think as queer people, like we don't we don't want to talk about them because I think going back to what you were saying before, like the more we talk about like oh, I'm depressed or oh, I have anxiety or oh, I have a personality disorder or whatever, it feels like further proof mm. that something about us is bad so i feel like yes. there's kind of that double that double layering there of like we can't talk about the bad things in our lives or the hard things in our lives maybe not bad but the hard things in our lives because of the risk associated with it absolutely yeah, yeah i think that's completely insightful and so true um that it is further proof of see that's exactly why being queer is so bad um Look at this person who's depressed or um, look at this person who's so anxious they can't leave their house or they're dealing with um, a personality disorder. Um, and that, I think, unfortunately, it happens inside and outside the queer community. Um, and that is one place that, you know, I think the LGBT community could really grow in is um, I think so many people have been rejected and hurt that, you um, like I said, hurt people hurt people. And so it's it's not 
always the safest place to talk about our mental health issues um, because they don't want to be associated with that, right? Like, ah, okay, you've got one. Like, don't talk. I don't want to associate with you because I don't want someone to think that I am bad or something. Um, but it's very real. I mean, a m- mental health diagnosis um, can come about because of um, hurt and harm that's done, trauma, um, you know, biology, uh, you know, there's, there isn't one thing, um, that creates it. Um, but one thing that makes it worse is untreating it, uh, or not treating it, <laughs> untreating it. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just coined that. Great. That is a, a special term, untreated. Um, and that there, that actually like it increases your, our suffering and we have already suffered enough. Like each one of us, our, our mantra needs to be like, I have suffered enough. Mm-hmm. And so if you are depressed or anxious or, or feel like there's just something going on inside and you're not sure what, um, you don't have to suffer that. There are very legitimate scientific um, ways of um, treating that so that you don't have to suffer anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think you know, there have been times in my life where I thought I was just a depressed person. Mm. Um, that was my personality, but it, it actually wasn't my personality. It was that I was rejecting myself and others were hurting me. Um, but I needed a therapist to walk me through that. Um, and I absolutely was depressed. Um, that's what happens when there are so many hurtful voices in our heads. Um, and so to expect that you would come out of that um, without a need for others to walk with you and maybe the need of medication, um, it's just not fair. Uh, and thank God for medication. I think the other thing is that people misunderstand it. You know, there's this idea of like, well, I don't want to change my personality. I don't want to gain 50 pounds. Um, I, I'm strong enough to deal with this. There's all of these misnomers of like, I'm going to become someone else. The side effects are going to be horrible. Um, and I would say if that's your experience, you know, you might be on the wrong medication (laughs) Um, because medication is a godsend. It, I like to describe it as like, it takes the edge off and lets you start where everyone else gets to start in the morning. Um, and, and so why wouldn't you offer that to yourself? Um, and if you feel like you need it and you can't offer that to yourself, find a therapist who will work with you with you that. Um, you, you can take your time working through uh, your feelings about medication so that you won't have to suffer more. Um, mm. I'm so grateful that we live in a time where it exists. Right, right. right. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I think about my clients as I as we, we start walking down those paths of, of starting on medications and like, I mean, the huge shifts that happen in their lives mm. just from taking the medication. And yeah, medication doesn't change everything. It doesn't cure everything. But as you said, it, it gets people up to a starting point that is similar to other people um, so that we can continue to engage in, in the work that that still needs to be done. Like it's, it's the kind of the both end, but they're wonderful, wonderful things. Like so. Yeah. Our bodies, our bodies need things sometimes our bodies sometimes need medicine um of all different kinds 
I have a cold right now. <laughs> I am taking, you know, Sudafed so that I'm, you know, it, it's okay that our bodies need medication sometimes. Um, and focus and prayer, those things are great, but it, um, it is not a way of curing um, what our bodies need. Yeah, I'm so glad that you've gotten to experience the power of it. Um, yeah, yeah. It's I mean, it's just incredible to watch mm. and, and see and be like, oh, like your life has already changed. Like, mm. <laughs> yeah, I haven't even done anything as a therapist. Right. Like, like, <laughs> <laughs> I've just been with you, and it's like your body just needed this. Awesome! Like amazing. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I, I'm curious for like, I mean, like I know that step of. I mean, we're, we're both mental health clinicians, like therapy is what we do. We, we go to our own therapy, like all of that, like it's the world we're seeped in. But I know for so many people, like that's not their worlds. Mm. And, yeah. and that idea of like going to see a therapist um, or even thinking about going to see a therapist is an anxiety filled, fear filled, like terrifying prospect of like, I mean, it, it goes down to that, like admitting that there's like, what if there's something terribly wrong with me and the insecurity that can like come up in all of that um and i'd be curious like how how do you work with that with people who are coming to therapy for the first time or, or just trying to start this process of taking care of their mental health and that fear and terror that can mm. that can come with the prospect of seeing a therapist yeah it makes me feel so tender um i, I know what that's like um i have seen therapist myself and um you know by now I'm pretty used to it <laughs> but there was a time in my life when I wasn't and it was really I mean I remember going to my first therapist and my body kind of shaking you know that feeling when you're like you think you're cold but it's just your nerves shaking um I remember feeling that way and and I would say if you could be brave and tell the person that you're going to see as a therapist, tell them how scared you are and let them care for you. Let them be with you. Um, let them provide um, space that is safe and that is not rushed to work through those fears. Um, and also that we are human. I'm a person. I want to know you. I want to be with you. Um, I am not superhuman. So to remember that, um, there's this title therapist, but um, therapist equals real person. Um, and so if, if you call someone or you go to see someone and they don't seem like a real person, um, it might be time to find someone who is a real person and a therapist at the same time. Um, it doesn't need to be scary. Um, vulnerable, yes. Uh, you don't want to pay for therapy and not dig into your stuff. <laughs> um, because it is. It's a financial investment. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know if that's kind of connecting to what you're saying. But, um, it, yeah, that, gosh, what a tender, tender place to be. Mm -hmm. and, and the, I mean, the bravery, the vulnerability that goes into it. Mm -hmm. And, like, I mean, I was I'm thinking, like, I mean, in my in my yoga practice this morning, like, we were focusing on this idea of triumph, but triumph in the small steps and like the just showing up <laughs> kind of steps. And like, how, how do we take pride in the fact that we are doing something for ourselves, 
that is good for us. Um, and it feels like that ties in so much with that kind of taking those steps to start seeing someone. Um, and it's scary, but it's something to, to be really proud of too. Oh, hugely. It makes me think of my, my kids, especially my daughter. Um, she was recently scooting on her little scooter. So they're three and a half. So being on the scooter is a huge deal, you know? Um, and she was tearing around the corner and like, boom, went over the handlebars and crying. And she, you know, did not want to get back on that scooter. And I was like, are you kidding me? You were, you just did the most epic, like hardcore, freaking rad <laughs> over the handlebars. I mean, I want it on video so I can put it on YouTube. Yeah. Like to me, that's what, how I think about going to therapy. Like, are you kidding me? You just did the most epic hardcore. There are so many people who stay in the hurt place, who stay in the, like, in the ball of a life that they are in. They don't, they will not engage that bravery and that I'm going to go all freaking out and just face this hardcore, um, rip around that corner and go over those handlebars. Cause it's hardcore and freaking awesome. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. Like, Oh my gosh. Like, I, <laughs> I mean, I'm hearing you say that and like, and that like how, how easy it is to stay in that place of hurt. Um, and like, I mean, and of course sometimes we need to stay in those places of hurt, but like to even recognize the fact that like we can then take steps to jump right back in again, um, and care for ourselves in those steps. But like, the goodness that comes out of 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 seeing our own bravery like mm -hmm. even in the hurt like yeah it feels awesome mm -hmm. yeah confidence is built mm -hmm. trust is built mm. it's a special thing ah oh, goodness i i <laughs> i'm sitting here like well where do we go now like <laughs> <laughs> Well, now that we've solved the world's problem, right. this is... um, I think I'll go take a nap. I Great. don't know. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's easy for us to sit here and talk about it. Um, and I think, but both of us are keenly aware as easy as it is for this to roll off of our tongues, um, that it is a battle. It is, it, that bravery, um, like we're talking about, it's not easy. Um, and none of these things are easy. So I would say, I mean, I'm imagining someone sitting here listening to this feeling even shame that they can't do this with the ease at which you and I talk about it. Yeah. Um, and I would say, I will be heartbroken if someone listens to this and ends up feeling shame afterwards, mm -hmm. that even your fear is allowed, your questioning is allowed, your uncertainty that therapy will ever work for you is allowed um where you are at and who you are right now is allowed <laughs> um there doesn't have to be a um i should be something else uh to simply love um exactly where you're at even if it's um a place of fear and uncertainty uh, and that so, is like damn like, hard work <laughs> Hard, hard, hard. Yeah, it makes me want to curse. Yeah. It's so hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not easy. 
Hmm. Well, I'm certainly glad that um, more therapists like yourself are joining the ranks. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, I feel like there's so, like, there, I mean, it's, I feel like it's still kind of few and far between that there's, that there are people who are really doing this work at, like, intersections of faith and sexuality. Um, but there are more and more popping up all over the place. And, yeah, you know, I love it. Like, it's so needed because of, I feel like, the trauma. Like, mm-hmm. it's such a specific, like, focus of trauma that we have been through in our lives that while other people can absolutely help with it, and if you can't find a therapist who works at those intersections, like, still give therapy a chance, but, like, <laughs> but to have people who understand that, I mean, is so needed in this world. Yeah. I mean, the amount of people who are like, oh, my God, I can't believe I found someone who is lesbian, who is also Christian, who gets these things, who can be my therapist? Oh my God. Um, and you know, I, I am just so, so, so happy that other people are joining this. Um, because more and more, you're exactly right. Like we need so many other therapists who understand those intersections and who can walk with people. Um, because you can find someone who is, queer but if they don't understand the faith piece they're just not going to get it um and obviously the other way around someone who's christian who doesn't get the queer piece um can actually do a lot of harm when trying to help somebody um so i'm stoked that i'm getting more and more uh colleagues in this space yeah 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 me too and mm-hmm. yeah and and i and i will say as, as people hear that because i think like because I think so many of us who are working at those intersections are in like the big cities on the coast, like that. I feel like that's kind of like this, or the big cities in in the center of the of the U.S. But like for for people, for everyone who listens, like in this world of of where like that isn't even a concept. Like I, I think about like where I grew up in the Midwest. Like <laughs> yeah, that's just not like <clears throat> the the hope of even finding a therapist who can even engage sexuality, like and like being a Christian, like, I mean, you said, like, there's so much harm that can be done in there. Um, so, so all of that to say, like, I know, like, you do psychotherapy via internet. Um, I do. I have clients all over the U.S., maybe, maybe the world, I guess, I don't know. Um, I do. But, like, what does that look like? And if someone wants to, like, maybe get involved, um, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, there are options for people who don't feel like they can have that right in their hometown either with you or with other people like yeah i mean it's technology is amazing nowadays for that exact reason that i get to see people all over the world who are in these places um and just like your hometown um that where like okay so finally i get to the place of i will see a therapist but who um there's no one within a two mile drive or two hour drive um, and so I do all my therapy via the web, um, which at first I was uncertain, like, okay, so how is this going to work? I've never done this before. It, will it feel, um, too disconnected? Um, I have been so surprised. It feels like we are in the same room. Um, for me, I think the hardest part is every once in a while wanting to like give someone a hug or like a pat on the back as they leave the office. That's, that's like the saddest part for me. Um, other than that, it is amazing to be able to sit with someone halfway across the world, um, and talk through these things and process through these things. Um, 
I'm really grateful for technology and the people who've created it. Uh, yeah. So my, you'll probably say it, but my website is the Christian Um, if you want to find out about that. And if you don't like me or my therapy style, uh, there are absolutely other, uh, therapists who do online stuff nowadays. So, yeah. Mm. Uh, Candace, thank you so very much. Yeah. It was fun hanging out with you. Yeah. Likewise. Um, and yeah, I will absolutely link up everything in the show notes so that people can find you. I hope you have a great rest of your afternoon. I will. You yeah. too. You can find out more about Candace's work over at thechristiancloset.com. Her blog is candacezubernat.com. That's C-Z-U-B-E-R-N-A-T. She's on Twitter at thechristiancl and on Facebook at thechristiancloset. Chorology is on Twitter and Instagram at ChorologyPod, or you can tweet me directly at Matthias Roberts. Chorology is produced with support from Natalie England, Sean McDorman, and Tim Schrader, as well as other Patreon supporters. To find out how you can help support Chorology, head over to MatthiasRoberts.com support. A really easy way to help support Chorology is by leaving a review. Do that right in your podcast app or head over to MatthiasRoberts.com review and it'll take you right there. As always, I'd love to hear from you. If you have ideas of what you want to hear on the podcast or just want to say hi, reach out. I'll get back to you. Until next week, y'all. Bye.